0: rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals.
2: Stand by. Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen.
0: Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it is time for your weekly update on all the royal news you need to know. We have so much royal news coming up this week and a special guest interview, but a couple royal reminders before we dive in. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, royally obsessed subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and leave us a royal rating pretty pretty please, pretty please. five stars send us an email at info at Bowie. Woo. Rachel Bowie. How was your weekend? It was good. How was yours, Roberta? It was nice. So I really I really dug into fall and I'm <laughs> not sure if it's too early or not, but I started I'd never seen Halloween Town, so I watched Halloween oh. Town, which is a Disney movie. It was it was cute. It was really cute. I, I like personally The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's mm. one of my favorites. Is yeah. that even a that's a Halloween movie? Yeah. Um yeah there's I, I mean Hocus Pocus Hocus Pocus is such a good one I'm so excited to keep watching and and drink pumpkin I did beer, see some of your instagrams I was like controversial. you've gone full fall but it's actually kind of chilly in new york full
1: today fall. which is which is exciting I know I've always really it's liked chilly. um yeah. practical magic I have like a halloween tradition where I watch a movie a scary movie with a friend we all get together and the first one is like I don't know a palate cleanser or something, what do you call it and then the next one is terrifying so but <laughs> like an uh, actual thriller <laughs> actual thriller yeah, that's but so uh, fun. but all that's coming I just don't know how will we do it will we like do netflix what's the extension that you can watch? with people if you can't get together. Oh, watch indoors, party. Watch party. Watch party. I don't know. We'll I think see. that's
0: the one that's Netflix and you can like log on and all see the same movie at the same time. Yeah, That's really fun. I should do that. But I that. am excited for all the fall things. I know, but I'm like, it, it feels like it's still August to me. I f- I'm stuck in summer, so it, it yeah. was a little bit jarring to watch Halloween movies, but I'm glad. I'm glad I did it. Well done. Um. Well, guys, we have another exciting, albeit jam-packed episode
1: of the pod today, so we're going to fly right through. This week, we spoke with a very special guest, New York Times best-selling author, Katherine McGee, about her new book, American Royals 2, Majesty. Before that, though, we've got so much royal news to cover. The launch of Kate's Hold Still virtual gallery, Megan's chat with SmartWorks, Prince williams trip to ireland and so much more but to kick it off as always
0: roberta what are we drinking and now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail so i'm still stuck in summer which is why we're still drinking rose I, cheers you drink rose through through you're i
1: just love rose i know it's a yeah that's thing. true that's
0: true i shouldn't say that i i would no, drink you're rose right your you're end right end. that's appropriate but <laughs> this week we're both sipping joel got wine specifically their central coast rose made from grapes grown in monterey and santa barbara Makes me think of Megan and Harry, but also how devastating the California and West Coast wildfires are. I can't. I, like, I know. hope they're all okay. The stuff. So much family out, out there.
1: there and friends. Yeah, it's really yeah. Really you terrifying. have family. Matt's yeah. family's
0: out there too. Oh. I know.
1: My sister is in the for the Southern California portion where she keeps saying that you know even on her back porch, it's like ashes are kind of raining down. It's just so scary and kind of a. I mean, the images are so terrifying too.
0: I hope they're all okay. I keep reading about the air quality is terrible. So I immediately thought of Megan and Harry, of course. Of course, and, and, hope <laughs> they're new, and I hope new that location. any of our listeners, yeah, I yeah. hope anyone out on the West Coast, our listeners yeah, out thinking there of everyone. are all staying safe and doing okay so while we're sipping we want to recap a quick uh royally obsessed facebook group thread that was really wonderful so on the heels of last week's convo about rachel getting royal mail from the queen which i still am excited about it's already being framed i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) it's at the frame shop it looks like one of our very own Rose is also regularly writing the palace cal in the facebook group posted a shot of a card she received from princess anne after she penned a letter to her for her birthday this year anne's response read the princess royal appreciated your kind thoughts sent on the occasion of her 70th birthday and sends you her thanks and best wishes for the future there was also a gorgeous and glossy shot of anne seated and wearing a beautiful blue suit with a red lip power suit i love I that love photo Anne. it's such a, I love a Anne. vivid
1: picture too i feel like you know my my letter from the queen sadly was photo less but i respect that um but it did make me think a lot about uh the fact that we just there's no way to i mean given that coming up we're going to talk about prince harry's birthday there's no way for us to send birthday messages to harry
0: and megan right now we need an address right he would be the, he would be the next one that you'd send to so then after prince harry yeah because we don't have an address for santa barbara so i'm wondering if they'll set up an office or like address. an office yeah who knows but who knows but then prince charles is the next one coming up november 14th so so row i gotta get my station your stamps for that and, one. and special stationery
1: out <laughs> I'll right, be penning it right. out, for sure. <laughs> uh, but speaking of which, I just kind of gave a little spoiler, but uh, this week in Royal History, we're talking about the birth of Prince Harry. Happy birthday, Harry. Happy birthday. And now, this week in Royal History. On September fifteenth, nineteen eighty four, Prince Henry Charles Albert David was born at St Mary's Hospital in London. But it was confirmed at the time, and I love this: he will just be Harry at home. I think was what the New York Times how they how they described it. Uh, Harry, it is, and how we've come to know him all these years. And
0: now it really is back to just Harry, just Harry, love.
1: Yeah, just Harry. You're right. Uh, He was at the time third in line to the throne, right behind Charles and William. Uh, William was actually only two when Harry arrived. Diana was in labor for nine hours with Charles by her side the whole time and Harry arrived at 4.20 p.m. that day. He weighed just six pounds and 14 ounces and per reports Charles immediately phoned the queen who was still at Balmoral rounding out her summer holiday. It's all like, you know, the formula of all this. It's kind of uh, endearing to kind of think that it's how long it's been going on for sure the protocol.
0: The, traditions has the still, tradition says the, they're still
1: at Balmoral this, Yeah, yeah like right at this
0: time. That's exactly.
1: So I loved that. Um, Charles also updated the crowd saying that his new son has blue eyes and a hair of an indeterminate color which made me laugh because obviously we now know you know harry's basically he said it was ginger yeah ginger <laughs> uh he also <laughs> added this was also adorable we have nearly got a full polo team now so for <laughs> four players <laughs> what's on charles mind at the time uh, that's d- kind of a cute way to think about yeah it. right he's like i, I just need one more guy <laughs> yeah. uh, poor gal uh diana had a difficult pregnancy with harry which we we've uh we aware of but with nonstop morning sickness. But Charles did report that her delivery went smoothly and was much quicker than Williams. I think that's common for the second kid. Um, this was also interesting. Earl Spencer, Diana's overjoyed dad, updated the crowds outside Althorpe, saying all went very well. I think the person who will be very pleased will be Prince William because it will be wonderful for him to have a little companion and a playmate. Oh, that's
0: so sweet. I, I think know. that for Archie, actually. I like really want him to have a sibling. I know so. he needs a sibling. <laughs> I know. No pressure. Micah, did she predict that? She, or she predicted that back in like That he April. would, right? That have yeah. a sibling soon just because of how they really, William and Harry loved growing up so close to each other in yeah, age. And I so think it really, at least in their childhood, was a wonderful experience mm-hmm. for, for them to grow up. But we had lots of Instagram
1: love today because we're recording the actual day of Harry's birthday. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so the family, the royal family's Instagram posts, um, but noticeably absent was Meghan Markle. And she wasn't in any of the pictures.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, that's really been bubbling up all day. That I think the photo that uh, the Cambridges in particular chose was predating Meghan. Elizabeth Holmes mentioned that it was interesting that they chose a, so- a shot where Harry is actually running away and it predates Meghan. It was an interesting choice considering there is a lot of thought that goes into these photo selections. Yeah, you
0: mentioned too that it's like the Fab 3. Like it's the photo that Kensington Royal posted is is a throwback to 2017 when they were really just the three of them yeah. kind of running things and being this dream team. I always want to give them the benefit of the doubt that it was completely unintentional. Yes. It is from yeah. a
1: very wonderful event, and it's one where they're having such a fun time. I personally love it. It's a hilarious picture. Yeah. yeah. I it's always go back to them picture. when I'm writing stories because it's like they're competing and running and they're having a great day, but it is interesting. And I think all the other photos that Charles posted and uh, the, queen the queen also predate they're all from like earlier times so a little earlier
0: yeah and and the queen's is actually kind of sweet because it's the back of her head but it's her talking to prince harry and he's laughing and it's really kind of you know shows her deference to him and i think that it's a show of support like she really truly loves him she's not the focal point of the picture it's him so you don't even see her face in it and so i thought that was really a lovely kind of um you know she's she's still here for her grandson so yeah i
1: did i do want to be clear i loved that they all came out Right away, all the great posts, a lot of love for Harry.
0: And I wonder what he's up to today, because I, I mean, obviously, hopefully they're staying safe with all that's going on on the West Coast in California, probably busy working. So I uh, realized sources revealed last week that one of the Sussex's Netflix shows will air as soon as 2021. So... What? We could have one of their Netflix shows in less than a year, which is wild. And their whole deal is only five years long. Um, wow. I believe is Omid on his AirPod said that. So we're going to get a whole lot of Sussex content real quick. That's it's going to all come. I mean, I feel like the content crush right now where I have too many shows to watch, which, by the way, are you all caught up on Ted Lasso? I am. Did, are you? Caught <laughs> I need up? To, I have one. I have one to watch to, still. Roberta, it's text so me
1: as soon as you watch the latest episode. It is so, <laughs> so good. good. And I fell in love with the show a hundred times over. This is become, going to become the Ted Lasso show <laughs> pretty soon. I know. The about Ted Lasso it. show. No, but I do like thinking about, you know, for Harry's birthday in the past, I do think Megan. a lot of reports are talking about how she always goes above and beyond to Plan a particularly romantic and special day. So I'm sure that, especially it being the first one in California, he, she's going to do very similar things, even if it's just at home.
0: Yeah, she, I'm sure she's such a good party planner. And also, Megan and Harry are reportedly much happier now that they've separated from the firm. They've repaid their Frogmore renovations, that, which was the money owed to the sovereign grant. And so uh, Omen again revealed that they would have definitely traveled to Balmoral this summer if COVID hadn't happened. So I think that, you know, maybe a family Zoom call is on the agenda. Or or house party. You know, <laughs> house party. Camilla's Ka- baby. Shout out Camilla. Shua, yeah. <laughs> shout out Cam. The game playing is great. I feel like I've started using it. So I, I support her on that. That's an app endorsement right there. Yeah. No, but I, I also feel like it would be so hilarious. I just
1: keep thinking with Harry's birthday, like all the recent Zoom calls where he's just like, you know, the interviews where he's just like, gosh, I'm old. I'm old. I just kind of feel like someone should do some sort of, you know, re- uh, reel of all that. <laughs>
0: 36. Yes, yes. That's not and old, Megan Harry. Megan being like stop yeah like you can't keep saying that you're not old it's also it is worth mentioning that he's now the same age as diana was when she died so 36 that has to feel eerie and for sure i feel like it would feel very surreal yeah but happy birthday harry yes happy birthday so let's dive right into the first uh news bullet of the day so kate finally launched her hold still initiative so it's been so long in the works since may is when it was really kicked off which feels like i mean i'm so confused about the timing it feels like not that long ago but it is it's been quite a while so she revealed the 100 photos selected for the national portrait gallery's hold still exhibit and we're going to play a quick clip from their promo video i hope in the years to come everyone will be able to take pride in how they responded to this challenge and those who come after us Will say the Britons of this generation were as strong as any so I believe that clip is from the Queen's first speech during Covid, but they played it with a montage of all the images that were picked, the one hundred selections that they made, and the pics are moving and inspiring and beautiful and sad and hopeful. And it's so, so worth scrolling through if you have time, all 100 of them on the uh, National Portrait Gallery's website. And reading each description
1: too. I just, I really feel like it kind of, it's very, it's so moving. And especially because you just think back what we've all been through. I know that this is specific to the UK, but it's everyone's experience. I just, the progression of this campaign that Kate put together, it feels so good to see the kind of culmination and conclusion of it.
0: Definitely, and, and such a huge show of support from the Queen, which I feel is like the cherry on top of all of Kate's work was probably to have the Queen shout her out. So the Queen released a statement that said, It was great pleasure that I had the opportunity to look through a number of portraits that made the final 100 images for the Hold Still Photography project. The Duchess of Cambridge and I were inspired to see how the photographs have captured the resilience of the British people at such a challenging time. The Duchess of Cambridge and I send our best wishes and congratulations to all those who submitted a portrait to the project that must feel like like it's as if your boss is like in the slack chat like tags you and is like look at this project <laughs> that roberta just completed like you know what i mean like i feel like she's probably like thank you you know, know. it just feels
1: so good to have the shout out what a ringing endorsement from her grandmother-in-law
0: Totally. So entrants range from four to 75 years old, and more than 650 images that were sent in came from schools across the country, 99 schools across the country. So a lot of them were from school aged kids, which I thought was really sweet. Um, two powerful photos that I really wanted to spotlight was uh, one by Anastasia Orlando of a Black Lives Matter protester holding a sign that reads, Be on the right side of history. So I thought this was super interesting because working members of the royal family, you know, Aside from Harry and Meghan, ha- they're not working members, obviously. So working members of the royal family still haven't ever really addressed Black Lives Matter head yeah. on. And it has been a big deal across the world. It's, you know,
1: There's a lot of conversation about that.
0: Right. There's been global protests. So I think it's a kind of a huge deal that this was one of the final pictures um, chosen. And then also uh, another picture that I really... Um, I mean, it's very sad, but that I thought was really moving and touching was one that royal commentator Victoria Murphy highlighted, and it's of Lisa Lolly. It's a self-portrait of Lisa crying, and it's captioned, A raw picture of the hopelessness and desperation I feel during this lockdown as a shielded person with leukemia. COVID-19 has taken far more from me than leukemia has. So I also wanted to mention Sophie Countess of Wessex was the only royal relative that we know of to have submitted a photo to Kate's project, the Hold Still project, but her pick didn't get chosen.
1: Ouch! Ouch.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, neither did Chris Jackson's. For the record, he did come on our pod and say he'd. He but what a nice show of
1: support that they participated. Even right, if they exactly. Get it would have
0: felt a little too like insidery if they
1: did if uh, Sophie did get picked. That's true. A little nepotism (laughs) there.
0: (laughs) A spokesman for the National Portugali did say that the images that were picked were assessed on the emotions and experiences they convey rather than the technical on their photographic quality or technical expertise. So I think that, you know, it was more the ones that were really kind of moved you and and that's why they chose them. And then I wanted to mention that Kate and William aka mom and dad are really back to work this week so William had two work events last week Kate also had an official visitor to Kensington Palace she met with the chief executive of the Royal Foundation so things to come from that I'm sure and then coming up on October 10th Prince William will be speaking at the first ever free TED conference it's an event called Countdown which will be open to the public and entirely dedicated to a conversation about climate change I'm so excited because there's also such an amazing lineup of speakers that the Duke of Cambridge joins it's Al Gore Chris Hemsworth Don Cheadle and Mark Ruffalo to name a few so the royal calendar is uh picking up steam which is so exciting I just
1: love seeing more Kate and William back in it too because they kind of took a pause in August uh which as they should a vacation
0: and they've really hit the ground running it seems so but
1: check out the gallery it also really works well in virtual form I was really I really enjoyed the experience even from home yeah um, okay. So a couple more quick Royal news items that we wanted to mention. Uh, it's been one year since Megan launched her capsule collection for her Royal patronage, SmartWorks, which helps women find employment by providing coaching tips and professional attire for their job interviews. And she toasted the occasion with a zoom call with three clients. Um, all three of which were success stories for the organization. We're going to play a quick clip from that. And people can say that so much of SmartWorks is about the clothes themselves, but it's, it's It's really not, you know, I mean, all of that stuff is the exterior, but it's what it does for you on the inside. That ends up being the best accessory, right. It's the confidence. It's what's built within that is the piece that you walk out of that room
0: with and walk into that interview with that That will take you to the next layer of success. And that's what I love so much about the organization.
1: Here, here. I love that. And I think that got picked up quite a few places because confidence truly is the best accessory. Um, but as a reminder, Megan actually revealed via British Vogue last year that she tapped Marks and Spencer, Jigsaw, and her pal, Misha Nunu, to design the capsule collection of work basics. Uh, she also donated one item to SmartWorks for every item purchased by a customer. What I loved the most was a glimpse of her Zoom setup, which on the mantel had a very impactful piece of artwork that the I Love You California bear print on the mantelpiece. Which is Nicholas and Riley
0: print, but hello, subtle. I love you, California. <laughs> I feel like she's so happy to be home. And and actually, this I saw somewhere that this was signed. It was a signed copy, so this is an original, and it's from the sheet music of the California state anthem. Uh, so I really love that. I feel like that's a collector's item, and probably she. Paid a pretty penny for, I would think, um, yeah. to get a signed copy of this. It's the original. You can definitely get a copycat print online. Um, but yeah, I thought that was so cool. Vintage.
1: But I love because everything is so perfectly curated to see that little, you know, glimpse of it. It was definitely a statement. Uh, okay, moving on. The other kind of bigger news that is actually not really news, I, I liked this kind of update on it, but. Megan and Harry's, their speaking engagement requirements were revealed in a big scoop, quote unquote, via the, the Telegraph. Um, but it really isn't a scoop because, in a nutshell, it basically said that Harry and Megan's virtual event request form outlined some pretty standard requirements: who will be in the audience, moderator approval, what the event organizer is receiving in return for their sponsorship participation in the event. But that's like status quo. That all makes sense. I'd want to know that if I was participating. But uh, but kind of the Telegraph made it to be a much bigger deal, you know, and Harry Walker, the Harry Walker agency actually kind of clapped back saying there's nothing groundbreaking, exciting, or newsworthy about a customary speaking engagement questionnaire used to gather basic information for our speakers. We were never approached for comment by the telegraph for their story, which is also customary. But had we been, we would have said that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have a standard working outline similar to what we've been using during our nearly 75 years of business. I had to read this final line. This story is all foam, no beer. Roberta, I'm using that all the time. <laughs> Mic drop. Mic drop. drop.
0: It d- Yeah, it doesn't reveal anything interesting. So I feel like this was just a total headline. Play, yeah, total so. headline. But
1: interesting. I mean, I, I like all the detail. Any detail about the Royals is fine by me. Um, That's true. That's true. So the another update, Prince William actually surprised us all and took his first overseas trip since lockdown. He flew to Belfast in Northern Ireland to visit frontline workers and praise them for their work during the COVID pandemic. He's... First stop was the city's police college, where he met officers and staff taking part in their well-being volunteer training course, which prioritizes colleagues suffering from mental health issues, which is always a beloved cause of Prince William. Uh, He also met with reps from the Northern Ireland Fire and Rescue Service and the Ambulance Service and heard about their experiences with mental health during this time. But all of it dovetails so closely with all the work he's done. I mean, we all are familiar with the fact that he was an air ambulance pilot um, and he wore a mask.
0: I think it's so interesting... That he's like, not only are they like hitting the ground running and back to work, but they're like getting on planes, which Mm -hmm. I feel still really anxious and nervous to do and like haven't done. Is it a private plane? I know that, you know, Prince Harry at one point got a lot of pushback about that, but I would think potentially for him, it's a private plane. Possibly. I'm not sure. He might have flown commercial. I mean, if you're wearing a mask, I think that they say there's not as much to worry about. And I I have done it since COVID began, but it definitely was like stress inducing. It's just traveling as always. So I think that that was – I feel like they're setting up to have a really big fall anyway, which is kind of crazy because like we're all still – or at least I feel like I'm still worried about indoor dining. I know. <laughs> you know? So I know. Same. kind of like they – they really are are kind of trying to get back on track like everything is normal so yeah big deal that he hopped on a plane um it'll it'll be interesting to see if there's royal tours coming up too so yeah
1: i know but it's it's definitely yeah the fact that he went in person uh but the reason he could go in person is and had a little bit more flexibility we're assuming is because the cambridge kids are back at school uh which is also why probably kate and william are able to do so many and you like you said back to work uh but during his trip to Belfast, he mentioned that i that the kids are back He said, I think every parent is breathing a sigh of relief that school has started again. He said while making small talk. He also added five months. It's been wonderful, but it's been a long five months. All the parents (laughs) listening to this can feel that uh, to its core. Totally agree. Uh, And as a reminder, George is starting year three and Charlotte is year
0: one, but it is sad we didn't get any pictures this year. I am really upset. We did not get pictures this year. I'm still holding out like we're going to get like a I, I don't know. Late fall. Maybe. I don't know. I know
1: we need an updated pick. I think it has so much to do with the fact that COVID regulations—they can't do drop-off at the front door for security reasons. Although the Cambridges do have an exception to that, but um, they have to drop them off at the gates, so they, there isn't that traditional welcome.
0: Maybe. Yeah, I think so, and I, I guess it's it's nice that the Cambridges still get to drive their kids through the gates, but I, yeah, I mean it it does really it probably is. Due to that, that they can't take pictures outside or there's not a photographer or whatever. So uh, I'm of royal out. news. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and now here's our conversation with author Catherine McGee.
0: Rose, please join us in giving a warm welcome to Catherine McGee, New York Times best-selling author of American Royals, which explores a what-if world where America has its own monarchy which honestly sort of kind of came true this year with the arrival of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle to California. American Royals highly anticipated sequel, Majesty, just came out September 1st and is just as juicy as the first installment. So welcome, Catherine. We are so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, it was funny too. I was just listening to, it was almost exactly a year ago, you were talking to Lisa and Caitlin about American Royals. So it just shows how quickly Majesty has come out and how quickly it was written. So amazing coincidence that we're here a year later talking to you.
2: I know. I wish we were doing this in person, but hopefully another time.
0: I know. For sure. We feel the exact same way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and speaking of which, where are you joining us from? Are you working from home? What Tell us about your where you are right now. Yes.
2: So I am working from home in my home office in Houston, Texas, which is where I grew up. So I did live in New York for four years and then in California for two years. But then like many Texas women, I, I made my way back home. So I've been back for three years and it's it's been really nice to be back.
1: That's nice. so great. And you also have an upcoming arrival, an additional arrival coming up. You said you're 38 weeks pregnant?
2: I am. I am I am near Congrats. delivery date of our first <laughs> uh, little boy, which my husband and I are really excited about. So mostly excited, a healthy dose of nervous also, but I think yeah. that's that's normal <laughs> just because no matter how much you read and how many videos you watch, I think nothing will truly prepare you for the, the truth of having a small human in your hands. So I'm just hoping that like everyone, I will figure it out as we go. You
0: will. You will. 1000% will. <laughs> and you have been, you know, not really busy, but writing two books <laughs> and about to have your first child. It's really, truly impressive. Well, Catherine, we wanted to ask you: Where did your obsession with the royals come from? When did it start? Tell us about what drove you to be royally obsessed.
2: I have always been fascinated by royals, but in the past, I was actually much more of a historical royal enthusiast. So I grew up reading historical fiction. I used to steal my mom's Philippa Gregory novels. If any of you have read Mm -hmm. the like her Tudor series, her Plantagenet series, they're so much fun. And I always used to think that I would write a historical fiction novel someday, something with courtiers scheming for power and forbidden love and princesses who are up to no good. And then it was actually the wedding of the Cambridges in 2011 that got me more interested in the modern monarchy. And it was that wedding that sparked the initial idea that became American Royals because I went to... A royal watch party.
1: Those were so fabulous when those were going on.
2: <laughs> they were so much fun. I wish I had done something similar for Meghan and Harry's wedding this year, but I was sadly just old enough that I decided that sleep was more valuable, <laughs> and that it was fine Fair if point. I watched it.
1: Yeah, watched I was up at
2: five a.m. watching it. It was <laughs> exactly it was worth it, though. <laughs> that. Was definitely me the first time around. I went. I showed up at the party at six a.m. and wow. drank more than one mimosa and had on fascinator. (laughs) And and then I went to work because that's what you do when you're young and live in New York. So uh, as I was walking to work, uh, you know, getting off the subway and, and I saw the wedding being broadcast on the Jumbotron and people were very clearly talking about it. And every single newsstand that I walked past was full of royal wedding coverage. And I just got to thinking, you know, it's so fascinating that we are So incredibly invested in and passionate about this wedding that is about a royal family that doesn't even belong to us, which sort of led me to what if we did have our own royal family? So it's nice to know that I could still write a book with princesses getting in trouble and people scheming for the throne and forbidden love in a modern monarchy as well.
1: I love that. I love that. Yes. Well, and I was going to say, if you could just for our listeners that aren't familiar with the book, can you give them a quick synopsis of majesty? Yes.
2: So Majesty and American Royals are set in an alternate version of the modern world where we are like England and have a royal family. And Majesty is the sequel. It picks up right where American Royals left off. I don't want to spoil anything for those who haven't read American Royals, but there's a big cliffhanger ending. And Majesty opens with all the characters dealing with the after effects of what happened at the end of book one. And it's much more of if you have read book one, it's more of the same. So more drama, more secrets coming to life, more romance, more unexpected surprises, and um, and more of the young royal characters struggling to figure out who they are and and what it means to be a royal in the modern world. It's honestly
0: such a
1: page turner.
0: It is. And so I was gonna say so many surprising love triangles that I didn't realize would shift so much. And I really love that because like I thought I knew what Princess Samantha, how her life would end up or how her romance would play on book two. And I was totally off base. So I love that you really switched it up for the characters in book two. It was so exciting.
2: I'm so glad that you love Samantha. She (laughs) is a favorite. She's so much fun to write. And yes, I felt like, you know, the first book was such a delight, but it is it is very much a book that exists in a space that we've seen before. You know, a lot of people compare it to Princess Diaries or even an Americanized, younger version of The Crown, which are incredible compliments to receive. But it was certainly a princess story, which we're all very familiar with. And the second book is, if the title hasn't given it away, it's Majesty. It's a a queen story. And I think that is new territory for us. And so I felt like it, it, I wanted it to be unexpected and surprising. And I wanted to take the characters in directions that you as the reader did not see coming. So I you know, I didn't want to follow all of the plot lines that that you may have predicted from the first book.
0: It's funny that you also mentioned Princess Diaries because I actually, I don't know about you, Rachel, but when you were reading it, you're picturing an actress as each of the characters. So I pictured Anne Hathaway as Beatrice. Totally. I do feel like The like long, dark hair. I don't know. I just get total Anne Hathaway vibes, Princess Diaries. I know we need movie versions of the books. (laughs) We definitely do. Yes. If Anne
2: Hathaway is interested in
1: starring (laughs) in this, I'm very open to it. Very open.
0: (laughs) Anne Hathaway, if you're listening, please give Catherine a call.
1: (laughs) Well, and one thing I wanted to ask you about is that I think what is especially impressive about the book is that the idea of an American monarchy isn't really all that far fetched, right? And I have read some interviews with you, just kind of your research really helped you discover that.
2: I'm so happy that you say that because when you are reading the book, it can feel like it requires a huge suspension of disbelief to think about America with a royal family. But it's easy to forget in the modern world how incredibly radical our system of government was at the time. This may always makes me think of the musical Hamilton. I thought of that, that so has,
1: much the whole time I was <laughs>
2: Very much brought it back into the national consciousness that building a democratic republic was something incredibly new and, and unexpected. And so one of my favorite things that I did in my research was visit Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. And if you go to George Washington's house at Mount Vernon, which in the American Royals books has become Washington Palace, So our version of Buckingham Palace, where the royal family keeps their primary residence. If you visit it now, you will see that there is a whole exhibit that is actually titled He Would Not Be King, and it features letters from the soldiers who were fighting in the Revolutionary War, writing back home, all, all of them writing, I can't wait until this war is over and Washington is our king. And again, these were the common soldiers. They were men who, you know, they were not the educated lawyers who were going to the constitutional convention, they were not debating the finer points of political theory. But to them, their fight was not about should there be a king who rules us? The fight was, you know, the king that we have is far away on an island that we've never seen and will never has never set foot here and never will set foot here. And so why should we be paying him taxes? So to them, it was incredibly logical that they would be fighting to, to make Washington their leader become our king. So I just, I really loved that because, you know, historians often refer to him as a man who could have been king, but to actually see, to actually see men of his time assuming that that's what he would be made my, the whole premise of my books feel at, at least a little bit more believable and plausible. So, For and sure. I'm glad that, you know, in the modern world, um, it feels like as a reader that you can somewhat buy that in the modern world, we would continue to have this royal family.
1: Well, it's funny because totally. Roberta's picturing like, uh, you know, Anne Hathaway and things like that. And I was like, the Hamilton soundtrack was kind of especially for the first yeah. book. But like going into the second, that's like think in my mind, you know, kind of playing in the background. But I love that context. Yeah,
0: of that. I think. It, yeah. And the way it really it's that you built out so much of the world that that's why it comes to life so well. And so it's easy to picture because it's like, oh, yeah, like. King Washington. And then he had, you know, kids and they became the next in line. So it just is, it really is um, easy to picture. You mentioned your research process. You went to Mount Vernon. What other kind of things did you do to research? Like, Were you binging The Crown? Were you reading all the Queen Elizabeth biographies? What? How did you prep for writing? I binged The Crown anyway, and it's so good. I, <laughs> same, even if I
2: wasn't same. writing these books, I'd be all over The Crown. I also love Victoria. I don't know if either of you watches that. I've heard you talk about other shows in the podcast, but I don't know if I've
0: heard that one mentioned. My mom keeps recommending I watch it and she's like, you have to. She's <laughs> my mom, too. I actually
1: I, and I have some friends that are watching it. I really need to add that to my to my list. And it would be a good precursor to season four of The Crown coming up. It's totally. extra
2: fun because it's a little bit soapier than The Crown. The Crown takes itself more seriously. And Victoria just goes all out on whatever <sighs> plotline they're doing. And one of my favorite trivia things, which you probably both know, is that Jenna Coleman went on a few dates with Prince Harry. So once upon a time, I can't remember what year it was. We, we can go look it up, but I know for a fact they went out once or twice. And then she supposedly is the one who turned him down. What? So she basically was <laughs> wow. also starting to have a thing with the young man who plays um, Prince Albert in the show. And so she just turned down a real prince to be with her on screen prince. And I, I really love that because That's I feel like so my cool. power I love moves.
1: That.
0: <laughs> okay, now I'm hooked. Such I'm going to start. I know. <laughs> I know. I also watched Catherine the Great on Hulu, which was really. Crazy and artsy. Oh, that's what I'm watching that as well. Yeah, that's so good. I
2: love that one. That one is also so much fun.
0: So were you just like pouring over British royal family history books? Like what what is what were some of the things you did to prep besides your travels? So I read
2: a lot more about the modern British Royal Family because as I said, I I felt like I knew quite a bit about the Tudors and the Stuarts, but my knowledge of the Windsors was superficial at best. And so it has been a lot of fun for me. You know, I read biographies of kind of everyone you would expect. So Charles, William, Harry, some of my favorites are If you have not read 99 Glimpses of Princess Margaret, which is the Craig Brown biography, it is so (laughs) fun. Rachel's not to pull it out on her bookshelf. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's in my pile to read. (laughs) Because there's like no biography you've ever read, but it it really gets into Princess Margaret as a character. And there's there's quite a bit of Margaret in my character, Princess Samantha. Mm -hmm. There's also, of course, quite a lot of Prince Harry in Samantha as well. And to the point that I keep in in both books at multiple times, I tried when I couldn't figure out what to do with Samantha, I would go, "What would Harry do? Maybe I should just like send her to the military for a chapter, and she can fly helicopters." <laughs> <laughs>
1: stop, stop, too far. But uh,
2: <laughs> but uh, a lot of a lot of those types of books have been really fun. If you haven't read Kitty Kelly's The Royals, mm-hmm. it is very dishy and soapy, and reads a lot like a Daily Mail article. So take it with a grain of salt, but there are some very fun things I gleaned from that book that I wouldn't have found otherwise. Like for instance, that um, Prince Charles, when he travels, his his valet travels with an ice cube tray that makes only round ice cubes. Did you guys know this? Because he can't stand (laughs) ice cubes that are not round. He, it's like a pet peeve of his, the way they clink together. And so he has this little tray for his golf ball-sized round ice cubes, just things like that that I, I'm always trying to find ways to work these quirky, funny, royal things
0: that into the
1: incredible. books. That is
0: incredible. You're like a treasure trove of random facts. <laughs> the, the Utterly royals, useless love. royal knowledge. But what an endorsement for Kitty Kelly's book. I mean, I'm adding that to my, I know. my pile. <laughs> so, so interesting. I wanted to ask you because some of the details in the book I so, so enjoyed reading and felt so... Like you had plucked them from real life royals. So, specifically, there was like, okay, spoiler alert, a little spoiler alert. Potential dress designers would arrive to the castle and like circuitous routes to throw off paparazzi or you know, the Royals, the American Royals would go to McDonald's to stage like a relatable photo op each year. So they feel so hyper specific. And I was wondering, are there other details similar to the ice cube thing that you plucked from your actual research of the Royals that are in the book?
2: Oh, yeah. And definitely both of the ones you listed are from the real British Royals. I mean, I was wondering, Okay, I want I thought McDonald's is is Prince And they used to Diana. take them to
1: McDonald's, right? Yeah.
2: McDonald's, theme parks. She always loved going places that felt very normal and approachable to ordinary people. There are a lot of small things that I wouldn't have thought of on my own. For instance, when Beatrice is remembering her very first national broadcast when she was five years old, and there's a detail that next to the teleprompter, there was a television screen that was playing cartoons on mute so that she was sitting in her father's lap kind of smiling and giggling the whole time. That is a real detail about, oh, wow. um, I believe it was, I think Charles and William probably wow. wouldn't have been Charles and Harry and that, that he had his son on his lap and they were playing these muted cartoons so that, so that like young William would look in the Behave. right direction yeah. and <laughs> would keep smiling. I wouldn't have thought of that How on my so, own. smart too. No, that's, no. that's what a good
0: idea. <laughs> um, you did mention earlier though, that ties between Samantha's personality trait and Princess Margaret or even Prince Harry, which I thought a lot about when I was reading that Samantha seemed like that, and Beatrice as William or Queen Elizabeth. So was that intentional and what inspiration did you take um from the royal family, any other people that inspired characters in your book?
2: I think, yeah, that dynamic is such a classic one of, of any royal story, the air and the spare. And I think it's so interesting because all, most people, unless you're an only child, you are either an older or a younger. And so you that, that dynamic is echoed in a much smaller degree in every family. And it just becomes so much more heightened when instead of just being the child who gets your driver's license first and like, gets to have a later curfew first, you are the child who's going to inherit the throne and have your face printed on currency and the other child is just relegated to a footnote in history books. Right. And I, th- I think that's like such an interesting dynamic. And it just takes, it takes family drama and makes it so much more intense. The, as far as other characters go. So people often think that Nina, the, my character who is a commoner, but starts dating the Prince of America is based on Meghan Markle. There is certainly a lot of Meghan Markle in her, Although I actually, as I mentioned before, started working on the original draft of this book back in 2011, 2012. So before Harry and Meghan were right. dating. Yeah, before she and was And I envisioned on her scene. much more as Audrey Hepburn from Sabrina oh, in the sense that she was the young woman who grew up around the royal family and then has been away for a while and comes back. And all of a sudden, you know, this wealthy, powerful young man kind of takes another look at her and goes, oh, you've grown up. And so- <laughs> So once Harry and Meghan started dating, though, it was inevitable that pieces of their story would make their way into Nina and Jeff's story. And in particular, because Nina is a person of color, she's Latina. um, I worked in some of, you know, the negative treatment that Meghan has received from the press into her character. And then there's more of that in Majesty through a different relationship. There's another member of the royal family who's dating a person of color who also gets quite a bit of negative treatment from the press. And then the one that might surprise you guys, I've mentioned it uh, maybe once or twice, but Daphne is actually based on the British tabloids original treatment of Kate Middleton. Oh, wow. It's another thing that's very easy to forget now because she's so entrenched in the royal family and we're also used to her and her coverage is pretty much always glowing. But when she and William first started dating, she was very much portrayed as a conniving social climber. She and Pippa were actually referred to as the Wisteria sisters because they're pretty to look at and climb really fast. Oh, what wow. an awful name. Awful, and so terrible. And because there were these few small tidbits about her life, you know, she originally was supposed to be in the year of university above William and then took a gap year and changed schools
0: so that she would line up with him and be at St. Andrews at the same time and right like she always had a crush on him or something that's what they I think that's what the tabloid said she grew up loving him or something oh like yeah that.
2: well she had a poster of him in her dorm room in her high, boarding <laughs> high school which like who didn't have a poster.
1: Didn't we all. <laughs> didn't we all.
2: <laughs> That's, yeah. Just because you have a poster doesn't mean that you connived your whole life to marry a prince. But th- but that, that was the narrative that they built around her was, right. oh, wow. She, so Daphne and course, embodies And people that. didn't like Carol. So they, they loved the idea of like Carol Middleton yeah. trained her daughter to try to marry a prince someday and become a princess, which is all so incredibly outlandish in the modern world. But but kind of a fun story to tell. So that that, led me like, what if someone actually was like that? And so that led me to Daphne, you know, how would you, how would you behave and and what would motivate you if you were truly a young woman who thought that what you wanted was to be a princess. But of course the problem with Daphne is it's not what she actually wants. Mm -hmm. And so. So that creates,
1: she's a great character. She was also a a weird, is it weird to say she's one of my favorites, but I really, yeah, I really (laughs) liked her too.
0: Same, same. I I always thought that she would surprise me and I I don't want to give too much away, but I always thought she'd surprise me and turn out to be, you know, this huge dramatic character arc. And I was like, no, that's her. That's her. And and that was surprising in itself. So a lot of the choices she made. But um, so I wanted to ask you really quick. So <laughs> you do call out the Duke of Cambridge and the Duke of Sussex by name in this book and the Prince of Wales and his love of plaids and tartans. What made you decide to reverence them in this book? <laughs> and actually it sounds like it's really them. You mentioned one of them is balding.
2: <laughs> so This is so funny because my editor and I do not see eye to eye on this, but I've slowly made my way over to her way of thinking. So in the first book, I did not mention the British Royals almost at all because my editor wanted me to. And I worried that if you have a British Royal family that is not the ones that we currently have, which to me is the only way that it makes logical sense, since it's a made up world. And the history is, is different. Like at some point in the past, the American Royal family intermarried with the British Royal family. And we've just got a different family ruling England right, right. now. Yeah. It kind of like the Royal we, you know, like similar family, but mm-hmm, different characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my editor, it just could not, she could not get on board with that. Which is so funny. Of <laughs> all the things in the book, she was like, no, you can't write a book where there's no William and Harry. She's like, I want
0: it to be set in real life. She's
2: like, it's an alternate world and everything else is different, but they're the same. And so I kept, she wanted them to even like be mentioned by name. And I I worried that would take us out of the fantasy of it all too much. And Mm -hmm. so, so we sort of compromised. And then I guess in the second book, I just saw these opportunities to slyly mention them. But again, I never mentioned them by name. They're only ever referred to by title as, uh, you know, as the Duke of Cambridge, or you may have seen the Duchess of Cambridge shows up to Beatrice's wedding pregnant with their fourth child, which I am still hoping will happen. Because <laughs> I, I have a theory too, that it will. Too. I just feel like Kate has done so many things to, she just tries to be like the queen. I feel like this is another way she's going to try to be like the queen. The queen had four children, so she's also going to have four children. Right. But we'll see. We'll see if my production
0: is right. Yeah, but it did feel like an Easter egg for the fans. It was like the Duke of Sussex is having a swim race. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I know.
2: So I very much, I kind of caved and put them in. But again, they're you don't really know who they are. And then if, if there were ever more American Royals books, I, I do worry. I'm like, I have to keep them away from the British Royals because, you know, I can never get I can't get too close because it sort of shatters the illusion of it all. But it is right, really right. fun to like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, reference them. And so so it, it does it does blur the lines of reality and fantasy a little. But they're so fun. Like, why wouldn't you want to see them kind of pop up in funny ways in the book?
0: Exactly. And I'm sure people reading it are also just as royally obsessed as us, so we're probably so excited to see their names on the page. Um, And then one more question I have for you is I adore your descriptions of the fashion that they're wearing. I always look forward to reading, you know, Sam's Skittle dress or um, Beatrice's wedding gown. And the wedding gown in particular, I have a picture of it in my mind that was inspired by a real life royal. Were you inspired by Kate Middleton's wedding gown,
2: <laughs> I was very much inspired okay. by Kate Middleton's wedding <laughs> gown. That
0: I wanted that to confirm. I
2: love. There are so many. I love all the different royal wedding gowns, but if I was picking one, that's I love the illusion sleeves. I love the beading on the bodice. I just felt like it was the so tailoring. And it
1: was so. It was perfection.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the long sleeves. There's like a narrow V neck in the front. I was like, oh, I, I am only like that's all I can picture is Kate Middleton. So just wonderful, wonderful.
1: I'm also curious, how has your perspective on the British royal family changed since you first came up with the concept of the book back in 2011? Because a lot has happened.
2: This is not going to be the answer you expect at all. I, you know who I've really come around on is Camilla. So when I started all of this, I, it was I think we're very, on the same
0: page here. <laughs>
2: yes, I was like very shallow because that was kind of the narrative that we had give, been given in the U.S., especially around the time... Of Princess Diana's death and those of us who kind of grew up with it I just remember kind of feeling like she's the other woman and she's awful and I don't know if it's just seeing her and kind of seeing her in all these different contexts where she seems so likable and then of course her portrayal on the crown was so great but I've really I've really come around on Camilla I really would like I know on on a recent episode you guys were talking about which royal family member would you want to have tea with? And somebody had written in Camilla. And I was like, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think the <laughs> queen, the queen is probably still my pick, but I just think Camilla is fascinating because she has been so vilified and gone through so much and still stuck with Charles through all of it, that, that she really has got to have an interesting story. And, and then of course, like it has been a lot of fun for me, both just as an American and then also as the author of these books. To have an actual royal living on American soil now. I don't I never thought I would live to see it. And I frequently joke that if I ever met Meghan Markle, I would just have to tell her like I owe you so much because I feel like she has inadvertently um really re-sparked interest in the monarchy among Americans. You know, I think that if Harry had married one of his other ex-girlfriends, if he'd married Chelsea or someone, and we still would have enjoyed it. And a lot of us would have tuned in to the wedding, but we would not have maintained this level of fervor and fascination about the Royals. And it's because Megan has, you know, she has that magic touch of like making the monarchy feel more accessible and more relatable and, and has such skills of managing, you know, managing her image and, and just everything that they're doing, I think is so yeah. incredible. And we haven't seen the monarchy revolutionized like this since no. Princess Diana. Totally. So it's a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and such fun fashion choices too from her, I think is one of my favorite parts of Meghan Markle in the royal family is seeing all of her outfits and, and we're loving cuz she just seems so at home like they both yeah. I think that the best is yet to come. I mean, I can't believe this
1: all happened when, with COVID, you know, right when they got here. So, I can't wait for what's what's to come from them. So, we we have to ask, will there be a third installment or So, we don't know yet. Okay. But I am our fingers are crossed that there will <laughs> yes. be. I know this is one of
2: those things where there are so many parts of my job that I can control, but this one is is a little bit outside of my control. So, I'm waiting to see if the publisher is interested in a third, I'm hoping that they will be. It. It's definitely possible. And so I'm keeping all my doors open. And that that was why Majesty was so hard to end was because I very much tried to end it in a mostly closed, but not totally closed way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I feel like there's so much room to keep To keep the story going at the end of Majesty, so I, I hope so. Will there be a TV show or a movie with Anne Hathaway? Do we know (laughs) that? We are also hoping
2: on. I am very much fingers crossed. I have a fantastic (sighs) agent in LA who is working very hard to try to make it happen. Working with a really talented screenwriter to try to, to come up with an adaptation that they can take out to sell. So fingers Amazing. crossed
0: on all of those fronts. It would be so I much hope fun. So. I know. I hope so. All right. And one last final question for you, Catherine. So if you could be any royal living or past, who would you be?
2: I mean, the true answer, because <laughs> it would be so fun. Like my gut reaction is to say something in, you know, Henry VIII's time or like to live at <laughs> Versailles with all the that fountains flies. and the that constant with parties. Us. But <laughs> life was really not that great. And so I think gonna <laughs> live in the modern time, I think I would want to be actually a distant royal cousin. I'd want to be like a Lady Gabriella Windsor level, Ooh. like Ooh. 40th to 50th in line for the crown. <laughs> so far down that I'm not particularly relevant, but high up enough on the list that I get invited to coronations and and, weddings. and royal weddings. <laughs> yeah, she's like and on the
1: balcony sometimes too, right?
2: Yeah. Sometimes then you the have balcony. to be like a Beatrice or a Eugenie, which I would do. Mm, I would. Yeah. Do. But they get photographed a lot. Like I kind of want my privacy, but yeah. I also would like access to the Crown Jewels vault once in a lifetime, you know, and that's kind of all. If you're that low down, you get to go to the Crown Jewels vault on your once. wedding day and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. But like, I'd be OK with that. I think that have, that's that's
0: the right level of royal for me. I love the thought process. This is a good I know, one. You're such I know. a thoughtful, <laughs> smart answer to that question. All right. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you Catherine, so for much for us. joining us and it was chatting so with us. Wonderful. This is so this fun. And everyone needs so to much read the book. Everyone go purchase Majesty wherever books are sold. And where can they find you, Catherine? So you're on Instagram.
2: I am on Instagram at Catherine McGee spelled K-T-H-A, the, the old fashioned British like Catherine of Aragon way or or katherine hepburn if you will love it yeah and and on my website at katherinemiggy.com
1: amazing thank Thank you you. thank you so much
2: thank you so much for having me
1: what a fun conversation i loved all the little tidbits she shared so much interesting stuff and now
0: here are our highs and lows it's time for the royal highs and lows my low is jessica mulroney still in the news womp womp. In late August, she posted then deleted a TBT pic of Meghan Markle from the royal wedding with her son smiling in the background as he carried Meghan's veil. The caption read, I see this and pure joy. Last Tuesday, Mulroney addressed the photo deletion via her Instagram stories, saying that the amount of bullying and hatred I've had to put up with for three years, I'm tired of looking at it. But a source told Page Six, I don't know what the tipping point was, but Jess has been on the outs for some time. Their friendship is definitely not what it was and really how can you have such a close friendship when one person is basically making a career out of the friendship you know i i feel like jessica moroni in this post said like women should stop tearing each other down and i totally agree with that sentiment but i think for coming from her it seems a little bit odd it just feels all really icky to me and it's such a weird call to even post the like close-up picture of megan it just feels like Attentions. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever hear Meghan Markle speak about it ever in this controversy, but it just seems to not be going away. And I think that, you know, Jessica Maroney kind of should probably take a step back from social media or just stop posting and deleting. I don't know. It's just all very weird.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a little bit murky. We do know their friendship was so, they were so close, too, at one point, per Omid's book. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she watched Archie while they were in the UK for their farewell tour. So
1: yeah. Definitely interesting. Um, What's your Milo is uh, there's a new interview that everyone should check out with Charles Spencer, Diana's brother, in the Sunday Times, and it talks a lot about Diana's childhood and one of the. Quotes in particular that uh, made me feel just kind of sad is, you know, he describes what him and Diana went through when her parents got divorced in 1969. And she said, He says, Our father was a quiet and constant source of love, but our mother wasn't cut out for maternity. While she was packing her stuff to leave, she promised Diana, then aged five, that she'd come back to see her. Diana used to wait on the doorstep for her, but she never came. I just feel like that just... I don't know. I think Diana, we as we know, her life, you know, just was so short and she went through so much. And I just feel like reading more about it via Charles, who has a new book coming out, which was the reason for the interview, called The White Ship, which isn't about his life connected to the family or anything to, like that. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. It just kind of gave some more background to it and imagining how hard that was. But then also the pivot that Diana made when she became a mom, which was clearly some of her happiest years. So anyways, it just, you know, always reading about that just feels sad I guess it was a low for me
0: yes now the highs though exciting stuff we I got a tidbit that Archie is a fan of Zoom crashing his parents call work calls i would assume omit scoby recently revealed a tidbit about little archie when asked about the most surprising things he learned during his research for finding freedom he said it was the little intimate details like how harry likes his coffee and also archie has a thing for zoom i love this <laughs> he <laughs> i love this he said i love discovering harry and megan's daily zoom calls with the various initiatives and people that they work with and how archie is no stranger to climbing in front of the web camera and making little impromptu cameos cute this i love it So for that. I just wish they would sh- I would wish they would share those zoom clips like yeah, let's get an Archie zoom them? bomb <laughs> I need some more Archie baby photos in my life that's for sure I know
1: that duck rabbit birthday video was Oh, I loved that one.
0: It wasn't enough. wasn't it enough. Was so it was know, so
1: long ago. I know. I know. Um, my high of the week just happened, Roberta. Kate and William went out for bagels. This was one of the better <laughs> uh, in real life photo ops that they had. Uh, they are actually kind of on doing their part this week to shine a spotlight on London's attempt to establish a new normal, and they that included a stop by Bagel Bake Brick Lane Bakery uh, in London, where Kate wore a red floral London shirt dress by Beulah London, one of her faves, and her signature Maya mask, and they they rolled up their sleeves and kneaded some dough and put some bagels in the oven. And all I could think was George, Char, and Lou would be so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> I also really like the double mask moment. I Williams in his signature blue mask. And I just, all of that, I think they've never looked chicer.
0: Yes. And I, I hope that uh, they brought bagels home for the kids. <laughs> So just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating on Apple Podcasts. Here is a recent review. You know, okay, the review has a subject line, great job. And I love that this person, MG122191, clapped back at the haters. So this Me person too. wrote so many weird, hyper-focused, negative reviews about anything to do with Meg. Deaf not trustworthy. The podcast is great, fun, and light. Love it and super recommend. Yeah, take that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> aw thanks that was such a nice review and thank you,
0: and thank you. <laughs> and thank you. Uh, reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode follow us on Instagram at royally obsessed podcast you can also follow me personally I'm at Robbie Frito
1: and I'm at RKBNYC
0: and then you have to join the Facebook group it's it's so much fun so much good stuff happening and drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com we'd love to hear from you and till next week God, God save, save the pod, the pod